Hello everyone, welcome to Antibodies. This is our 35th body sode, a segment where we discuss research papers with the first or last authors of the article. Joining me today is my co-host, Eugenio from Autonomous University of Mexico. Good morning, Jatin, and good morning, audience. <laughs> How are you doing, Eugenio? I'm doing very well and excited for this discussion today. Yeah, I think it's been a long time since we discussed anything specific. Actually, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been a while since we discussed a paper related to Thymus. The last time we had that discussion was with Daniel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we talked about those bacteria, bacterial antigens that mm-hmm. get trafficked into the thymus. So finally, we're again back to the thymus. And the article we're discussing today is Central Tolerance is Impaired in the Middle-Aged Thymic Environment. This paper is coming from the group of Dr. Lauren Erlrich. And the first author in this article is Dr. Jessica Lancaster. And she's joining us today to discuss the article. Welcome to the podcast, Jessica. Thank you very much. I'm really excited to be here. Eugenio, can you tell us something about our guest today? Of course. Uh, Well, Jessica Lancaster is a consultant in immunology at Mayo Clinic in Arizona, an assistant professor of immunology at Mayo Clinic College of Medicine and Science. She investigates age-associated alterations to the immune system. Dr. Lancaster's research focuses on the development and response of T-cells and B-cells, members of the immune system that are exquisitely tailored to their targets and are essential for resolving infection threats. Using advanced live cell imaging, Dr. Lancaster directly visualized T and B cells as they interact within their organ microenvironments in order to understand how communication within the immune system breaks down with age. It's an honor to have you here, uh, Jessica, and I guess we could start um, our discussion. But before that, Jatin, can you uh, introduce us with some terminology for the paper? Yes, definitely. In fact, uh, Jessica, I'll need your help with this one. Before we start talking about the paper itself, we want to get some specific uh, terms cleared out that are going to appear in the paper later. So first, can you help me define this broad term, the positive selection of thymocytes? Yes, of course. Um, So uh, I guess to back up even more, T cells have to go through a maturation process in which we are trying to determine whether they will be functional and also self-tolerant before we can release them out to the uh, body surfaces. And so positive selection is when T cells are being screened and we're establishing that they're able to at least recognize peptides that are presented in the cleft of the major histocompatibility complex or MHC. And so we're testing to see that these developing T cells or thymocytes are functional. All right. So we've got the selection of working or functional thymocytes. That brings me to the next term or two terms, central tolerance and negative selection. Okay. So central tolerance is the kind of overall term which we use to talk about T-cell self-tolerance induction in the, in the thymus as it occurs in the thymus, and that distinguishes it from uh, mechanisms of peripheral tolerance, which is tolerance that happens outside the thymus. And so tolerance is just meaning that T-cells are able to interact with host tissues without harming the host tissues. They are tolerant to the host. And the negative selection is kind of like the, the process 
by which central tolerance occurs. We are going to select those T cells that are potentially autoreactive. So we are negatively selecting them from our T cell repertoire. Okay, thanks a lot for that. And with that, we'll go for the last term and something that becomes the base of the paper, thymic involution. Yes, so T, um, the thymus is the organ uh, by which T cells are matured. Uh, T cells, like other hematopoietic cells, are derived from stem cell progenitors in the bone marrow. And so they travel from the bone marrow, uh, migrate through the vasculature to the thymus, and that is where they're going to be screened to be positively selected and or negatively selected. Uh, but this organ is one of the earliest organs to change with age. Um, it actually involutes in humans shortly after puberty. And so the size of the thymus decreases dramatically, uh, both in weight and mass and density um, early on in life. And the number of T cells that are able to be uh, exported from the thymus also decreases proportionately. So we call this involution or the shrinking of the thymus. All right, I think that's a great starting for our terminology. And with that, we are so far equipped to talk about what this paper is about and why we should be looking at any of these experiments. To start with, thymic involution, as we discussed, is the process of shrinking of the thymus with age. Since thymus is the only source of newly produced T cells, Thymic involution naturally results in reduced numbers of naive T-cells as we age, and the overall T-cell repertoire gets skewed towards more memory phenotype than naive. It is thought that this skew in the T-cell phenotype could be responsible for increased susceptibility of adults to infectious diseases and reduced vaccine responsiveness. Another interesting observation is that around the middle age, the incidence of new onset autoimmunity peaks. This has been seen in aged mice that in both CD4 and CD8 T-cell compartments, there are more self-reactive T-cells. This suggests that negative selection in thymus could be getting impaired as we age. To understand how autoreactive thymocytes are generally weeded out, let's take a look at the process of negative selection, which Jessica just mentioned very briefly here. In this process, several cell sets of cells are involved. This set includes medullary thymic epithelial cells, also known as MTEX, or again, uh, medullary thymic epithelial cells. We're gonna be using this word MTEX a lot, so just bear with us. Then there are hematopoietic antigen-presenting cells, B cells, and plasma cytoid dendritic cells. All of these can present self-antigens on their MHCs. The tight binding of a TCR or T-cell receptor with a self-peptide presenting MHC induces cell death in these thymocytes, and that's how negative uh, selection works in generally. This process requires almost the entire proteome to be presented in the medulla so that a thorough scanning for self-reactivity can be done. To collectively present the whole proteome on MHC molecules, there are several strategies that the immune system utilizes. First, an enzyme called AIR, spelled A-I-R-E, 
allows unrestricted expression of proteins, even tissue-restricted proteins such as insulin that would not be produced in the thymus otherwise. Just a quick sidestep, we have done a monologue on the discovery of air and how it became a huge deal in the understanding of central tolerance. Do check it out if you're interested to know about more about this enzyme. Coming back to our discussion, there are specific mTECs that express this enzyme called air. Secondly, there are thymic dendritic cells that acquire antigens from the periphery or even from dead mTECs that they can present on their surface MHCs. These mechanisms, along with some others, help in maintaining the negative selection and keeping it stringent. As we age, some of these mechanisms can get impaired. For example, the number of mTECs can get reduced, their organization in the tissue can get affected, or their expression of tissue-restricted antigens can get impaired. Due to these defects, the screening of autoreactive T-cells could get less strict. A caveat here is that the negative selection is also the process associated with the emergence of thymic regulatory cells, which is another way how we maintain tolerance peripherally and centrally. The authors of this article want to investigate how does aging affect regulatory T-cell induction and the selection of autoreactive T-cells in the thymus. So that becomes our premise of the paper, and I think we can start with the first figure. To start off, the authors use a clever technique to study how the thymus age affects thymocyte migration and associated properties. They took young one-month-old and middle-aged, which we will call as 12-month-old, polyclonal mouse CD4-positive single-positive thymocytes, stained them with unique dyes, mixed them, and transferred this mix to thin live slices of either one-month-old thymus or 12-month-old thymus. The thymus slices I mentioned here were isolated from the PCX EGFP mice. The unique thing about these mice is that thymus cortex and the medulla can be distinguished easily based on their EGFP expression. So it becomes a good system to study the compartmentalization of certain cells in the cortex versus the medulla. Again, this experiment allowed the authors to study the effect of thymus age versus the thymic age and these two parameters, uh, these two factors on several parameters that we're going to talk about later. But just for reference, there was a lot of two-photon microscopy used in this paper, and which becomes my first question. Um, Jessica, first, can you tell me why did you use two-photon microscopy for this experiment, and what are some benefits? So two-photon microscopy is a type of fluorescence microscopy that allows us to look deeper into intact tissues. Uh, for here, we're trying to understand how the motility and the loc location of thymocytes is being modulated by the young versus aged tissue microenvironment. And thus, uh, we're using two-photon microscopy because we can look deep into an intact tissue and watch as the T-cells move versus something like confocal or epifluorescence where you're limited to very thin, you know, on the order of uh, several microns uh, thick tissues. Okay. So we got, so you're saying there's a more of depth involved with these experiments. So you can look at, um, I think you, you have just more parameters to work with. 
Yeah, so the vol uh, the tissue volume is much thicker into photon microscopy. Like here, we're using slices uh, mm. that are 400 microns thick. Um, and the reason why we're also using slices is just uh, because of the you know the location of the thymus itself. Uh, the thymus is right above the heart, and so it could be very difficult to access if we wanted to do you know, intravital imaging within a sedated animal, you'd have to surgically open up the rib cage, you deal with the heart beating that would introduce some artifacts. And so having these thick tissue slices that the T cells still re recognize and respond to as if it was still a living tissue is a very unique way to be able to um, study T cell interaction with the thymic tissue environment. There's actually something pretty cool and brings me to my next question. This is a very complicated experiment, at least to me. You're taking thymocytes and you're transferring them to these slices of thymus. And just for our audience, note that these slices of thymus are not are not paraffin fixed or something. They are supposed to uh, they're supposed to represent a functional thymus. So what were the challenges that you guys faced while setting up these experiments and also were you the first one to set up these experiments or have they been done before uh, so the use of the thymic slice has been done before um it was um actually you know, borrowed from neuroscience where people would do brain slices and so like you said the slices are alive we harvest them fresh from the from the the mouse and we keep them cold and then we section them with a vibratome which allows us to do this at um you know a colder temperature to keep the tissue viable uh, once we do the imaging the cells are uh, the tissues are maintained in a cell culture chamber that you know simulates a tissue culture environment. So the tissues are alive and the T cells are also alive. Um, so, I mean, the biggest challenge for us is that, as far as I could tell, we're the first to do this with aged tissues. And I think I spent, you know, running this experiment in the background for about a year before I can get satisfactory tissue slices from the 12-month-old mouse. Um, this isn't considered an old mouse in kind of the traditional aging field, uh, but by then the thymus is very different and it has a lot of those kind of frail hallmarks of the aged tissues. So the tissue was just would collapse <laughs> during slicing. And so I would swear up and down to my principal investigator that this was not going to work, that the aged tissues would not slice. And then one day uh, I tried again, it suddenly worked. And then we started <laughs> going on with the paper. Um, and then the other challenge is just you know, we have to age the transgenic mice ourselves. And so there was, a you know, a bit of waiting for mice to be a year old before we can do some of these experiments, such as with the uh, rip promoter driven antigen models. Okay. When you said, I tried one day and it just suddenly worked. That's such a scientist thing. Yes. <laughs> so I, many I, things I, just happen like that. You know, she just, she told me I needed to keep going. I needed to try again. And I said, it wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to work. And then you know, somehow in your hands, it starts to work. Yeah. And I love the system because I, I don't know how otherwise would you study a thymus ex vivo unless you have an organoid of some sort. But in this way, you don't have to depend on an organoid. You're actually taking a piece of the real thymus, which would be more representative than an artificial organoid. Yes, definitely. I think we can learn a lot using these uh, tissue slices. Yeah. Okay, thanks for uh, answering my questions. Let's come back to the results. 
The authors wanted to look at the organization of MTEX in the cortex and the medulla. They, they used time-lapse imaging to look at single positive CD4 positive thymocyte migration, their velocity, and their path straightness into the thymic slices. First, they found that the ratio of medullary to cortical cellular density in the CD4 positive single positive thymocytes declined in the middle-aged thymic slices irrespective of what the age of the thymocytes themselves were. This ratio change was not due to an alteration in the medullary thymocyte density, but an increase in the cortical thymocyte density. Jessica, you mentioned in the paper that this increase in the cortical thymocyte density reflects something called age-associated cortical thinning. Can you elaborate on this term? Yes. So. Uh, we mentioned that the thymus begins to involute or shrink with age, but it isn't shrinking proportionally. It's not like you just have like a tinier version of the same thymus. A lot of the organization inside the thymus is also changing. Um, partly, we're seeing a loss of this kind of very fine demarcation between the cortex and the medulla. And so this kind of boundary is becoming much more dispersed and it's harder to tell where the medulla actually ends. The cortical thymic epithelial cells or the CTEX had been described by Howard Petrie's group as changing in their morphology. These are kind of reticular or elongated kind of structural cells and they lose their um, kind of long processes and become much more compressed with age. And so what we see, you know, what pathologists see as a thinning of the cortex is also uh, due to kind of the compactedness of these CTEX, if you will, uh, with age. And so they're losing kind of their spindliness, their network look, and now they're just kind of compressed and we have like a thin appearance of the cortex. Okay. And that looks like, that makes it appear that their density is increasing. Yeah. So they're becoming, yeah, much more pushed together and mm. the cortex itself is becoming uh, like a thinner region of the, of the thymus. Okay. So we come back to the results. The authors found that the thymocytes, irrespective of their age, migrated more slowly in the middle-aged thymus than in the young thymus slices. So far, what we have seen is that thymocyte numbers in the medulla are not affected by thymus age, but their migration into the medulla is slower in the middle-aged <clears throat> thymus. Eugenio, would you like to tell us about the next results? Of course. Uh the authors next asked if the central tolerance was impaired in the middle-aged thymic environment using live thymic slide deletion assays. To test this hypothesis, the authors took thymic slates from 1-month or 12-month animals. Later, they incubated them with PBS, OVA, or OVA with different affinities, and a third group, which thymic slides came from a mouse expressing OVA in MTEX under the control of the iridependent rib. Jessica, before we continue with the results in this figure, can you explain the audience the difference between uh, the presentation of this antigen as ubiquitous self-antigen or endogenous tissue-restricted antigens, and why this is relevant to make this distinction? Yes, so the ubiquitous self-antigens 
uh, refer to proteins that would be expressed by many different cells um, of tissues throughout the body. So tissue, um, you know, common proteins on cell surfaces or associated with actin cytoskeleton. And so these would be just naturally presented by antigen presenting cells all throughout the thymus, uh, such as in the cortex where the T cells begin their journey through their maturation process. Um, And when we say endogenous tissue restricted antigens, these are peptides that are expressed by um, organs outside of the thymus. And so they necessarily have no, would not necessarily have any function in the thymus, such as peptides that are expressed by um, the prostate or in the pancreas. Um, These are very specialized, but it's also very important for T cells to be uh, tolerized against these specialized uh, peptides. And so as was mentioned earlier by Jatin, the air positive MTEX are able to stochastically present uh, these, you know, express these peptides that are from tissue restricted antigens and thus screen T-cells for possible self-reactivity against these antigens. And um, there's been earlier work by people like Mark Jenkins and Chris Hoquist that has really shown that uh, tolerance induction against ubiquitous self-antigens versus those of tissue-restricted antigens really has different kinetics and different timings within the thymus. And so that's why we wanted to make that distinction here and how that could be um, impacted by age. So just to be clear, the OVA itself, by adding the OVA, that will be like the example of a, of a ubiquitous self-antigen and the RIP will be the uh, tissue-restricted, right? Yes, that's correct. You know, okay. the OVA, since it's just in the media that the tissue slice is incubated in, any of the cells, for example, the dendritic cells or mm-hmm. the CTEX can pick up the OVA antigen and express it. And so this would be encountered randomly and ubiquitously throughout mm-hmm. the thymic slice. Okay. Thank you. So uh, the slides, coming back to the results, uh, the slides were co-cultured with OT1 cells and after 72 hours, they were analyzed by flow cytometry for the presence of OT1 cells. The reduction of the frequency of OT1 cells would mean deletion by negative selection. The authors found that all the peptides induced negative selection in one month and 12 month thymic slides in a peptide dependent manner. However, Deletion in 12-month thymic slides exposed to a lower, lower concentration of the peptides was impaired. This observation was later confirmed in thymic slides from a transgenic animal rib ova high, which expressed ova in lower levels, in comparison with rib ova transgene. This data indicate that negative selection is impaired in the middle-aged thymus for CD8 cells responding to peptides of lower TCR binding affinities. Uh, Jessica, um, can you... Uh, uh, can you elaborate a little bit more on these uh, results uh, regarding uh, more specifically with the ribova high versus uh, ribova transgene? Yes. So in this system, we had, um, you know, these OT1 T cells can recognize the OVA peptide. And that is what they're, you know, that's what we're modeling as an autoreactive event. And, um, the rat insulin promoter, which is driving the expression of OVA, it limits the expression really to just the air positive MTEX. They're going to stochastically express it, you know, very similar to how they would express something like insulin uh, as a tissue restricted antigen. And so what we had found is, you know, first we had, you know, screen the ability of the T cells to recognize just the uh, OVA in the 
you know, ubiquitously just in the media. Um, and we did see there were some differences in their ability to recognize the OVA antigen when it was ubiquitously abundant. Uh, but this was also very different from what we had um, seen when it was expressed just in those rare air positive mtex that we saw a a very significant difference in the ability of the aged thymus to induce tolerance when the ova was only expressed by those mtex thank you jessica for your answer so next the authors wanted to know if not only cd8 negative selection was impaired but also cd4 negative selection in this model so did so they did the experiment using thymic slides with different concentration of ova from one month old mice or 12-month-old mice in co-culture with OT2 cells. The authors found that negative selection of OT2 was impaired in 12-month thymic slides comparison with one-month thymus. We also need to remember that during the process of negative selection of CD4-positive uh, cells, some clones can differentiate to a thymic T-Rex. In the thymus, it's possible to identify T-Rex precursor by expression of CD25. The authors only found a reduction of T-Rex precursor in thymic slides of 12 months mice coming from the Ripova high animal. Um, in conclusion, the negative selection of CD4 uh, positive cells is impaired in 12-month animals as well as the generation of the T-Rex precursors in response to peptides of lower ability. Jessica, what, did, what do you think, uh, what is your opinion of the fact that CD8 T-cells and T-Rex precursors were impaired in response only to peptides of lower ability, in contrast with CD4 T-cells that negative selection was impaired independently of the peptide. Okay, yeah, I guess part of this was, um, you know, a limitation of our system as well. So with the OT1 TCR transgenic, we had the benefit of having different types of, um, you know, ELVA variants it, a system in which we can test OVA variants that have different affinities for the T-cell receptor. Uh, these were the RIP variants that were generated by Ed Palmer's lab, um, in which we tested um, not only the high affinity RIP OVA, but we also had RIP MQ4R7, which is just at the threshold of uh, negative selection, and the RIP MT4, which is below the threshold of negative selection for the OT1s. And what we can really see is that when we can play with the abundance of the OVA antigen by adding the peptides or by changing the TCR affinity by using these lower affinity variants of the RIP OVA, we can see that there was some defect of CD8 single positive deletion when you had a lower avidity uh, for the TCR. Uh, unfortunately, for the CD4 system, we didn't have the benefit of having uh, TCR transgenic, um, you know, RIP OVA variants that we can really test. We were limited to just the RIP OVA, the, the high affinity system here. And so while with CD8s, we could see some nuances at the lower avidities, we couldn't quite test it to the same rigorousness for the CD4s. Um, so what we were able to determine was that at least with the RIP MOVA and RIP OVA high, which we had already seen in an earlier publication, um, have different expression abundances uh, where RIP OVA high is expressed to a lower extent in the thymus, that we do see that there is some 
defects. So perhaps there is some problem with selection at the lower TCR affinity, but we couldn't quite, you know, untangle that to the same extent as we could do with the CD8s because of the, the lack of uh, ovovariants that can respond to uh, the OT2 receptor. Okay, uh, so Jadine, I think you have a question for Jessica. Uh, it's it's more of a just an appreciation for these OT1 and OT2 cells, how long they have been in the field, and even from starting from the earliest days when we did not know much about the T cells to to this point, they have been such vital tools in looking at these antigen specific interactions. Yes, definitely. They're really a robust system. And I believe now that there are people looking at variants so that we can really study uh, CD4 selection and, um, you know, CD4 activation against lower avidity antigens. So, um, you know, stay tuned for people that might be looking at <laughs> CD4s um, much more closely. Oh, yeah. Those peptide variants with the varying affinities, that's another layer to what you can what you can study with these cells. That's amazing. All right, back to you, Eugenio. Sure. Uh, so oh, thanks, Jessica. So as their previous data indicated, the 12-month thymic and microenvironment supported the generation of the thymic precursors in response to ubiquitous self-antigens, but not the tissue-restricted antigens. The author asked if the novel differentiation preferentially impacts thymocytes responding to self-antigens. Using thymic slides of one month versus 12 months simulated with OVA, the authors analyzed the presence of the two thymic direct precursors, CD25 FOXP3 negative and FOXP3 low. The authors didn't observe any difference in the generation of precursors, but there was a reduction in the T-REC generation. So Jessica, why do you think we are seeing this difference? So we, we are, uh, there's no difference in the generation of the precursors, but there's a difference in the thymic, in the T-REC generation, what would be this difference? There's a quite a bit of study now and interest in in T-REG induction, but at the same time, it's still a little unclear exactly how T-Regs are selected in the thymus. Um, what has been established is that it is a two-step process, where the first step depends on a strong TCR signal. Um, but then the second step is kind of enforced by cytokine signaling, such as by IL-2. And so what we're seeing here is that perhaps the initial step, you know, the induction of the Treg precursor, and we track these two populations that were described by uh, works uh, earlier works by others, either they're upregulating CD5 um, very prominently, or they're kind of going a different route where they're starting to upregulate FOXP3 first, um, resulting in two different types of Tregs that are being induced. Um, so, but we see that there perhaps isn't quite the enforcement to um, become a Treg when you're in this middle-aged environment, because while we see that these precursors are being induced, we don't see the same extent of Tregs, the CD25 positive FOXP3 Treg being established um, in the aged environment. So somehow they will be like uh, stopped in, in in this first step of differentiation, and they they couldn't. Be they wouldn't be receiving the, the next signal to become a T-Reg, right? That yeah, would be so like either, the, the hypothesis. Yeah, so either there's like a problem with the strength of TCR signaling mm -hmm. and whatever intracellular, uh, intracellular cascade that comes from that, or there must be a lack of some sort of cytokine stimulation or other uh, secondary event that's supposed to enforce um, FOXP3 upregulation mm -hmm. and T-Reg fate. 
Okay, well, th that's a great, great observation. Uh, next, the authors wanted to show what happened with respect to the air tissue restricted antigens. They observed a reduction in the frequency of FOXP3 low precursors, as well as a reduction in the frequency and cellularity of FOXP3 CD25 positive cells in the middle aged slides. This data would demonstrate that the middle aged systemic environment is impaired in its capacity to support T regeneration to tissue restricted antigens, but maintains the ability to support T differentiation to ubiquitous self antigens. Um, later during the paper, uh, well, Sorry, in, in previous figures, uh, the authors have been using antigen-specific models. These models are useful in making the biological patterns obvious, but don't recapitulate the kind of diverse real-life antigen exposure that our TCR encounter every day. To better understand the association between age and loss of central tolerance in polyclonal populations, that is T-cells with many different TCRs, the authors use flow cytometry to look at negative selection and T-reg induction in young and middle-aged mice. Using markers for different phases of thymic development, the authors assessed apoptosis in methylene thymocytes and found that overall rates of negative selection stayed pretty much the same as the mice age. Next, they examined newly formed T-reg and T-reg precursor cells in younger and older mice. Previous literature has suggested that as the organism ages, it accrues more T-Rex so that they, by the time it's older, the recirculation population of existing T-Rex will outcompete any newly formed T-Rex, reducing the total number of new T-Rex. Using a marker for recirculating T-Rex, the authors could delineate whether T-Rex were newly former or older. They found that the frequency of newly formed T-Rex decreased by an age of 12 months but the older recirculating T-Rex population increases, supporting this established paradigm. Moreover, population of T-Rex precursors decreased with age. Jessica, in the paper you mentioned that self-antigen aviability may limit how many T-Rex are generated in older mice. Could you elaborate on this hypothesis? Uh, it's been shown by uh, others that there is kind of like a stasis level of T-cells that are, that you know, populate the T cell repertoire, and that this stays fairly constant with even with age. Um, so within the T cell repertoire, there seems to be a, a well-defined niche for how many T regs also persist within the T cell um, re total repertoire. Um, and what we were finding here is that. Um, the thymus, even though there seem to be the similar levels of negative selection um, and apoptosis that was occurring, um, as we've measured, and um, this was done by um, a very talented graduate student in the lab, a very heroic amount of flow cytometry uh, uh, student, Yu Li, um, even though we couldn't really see any major perturbations in the amount of negative selection that was occurring polyclonally, we did see that there were changes to the Tregs that were being generated. Um, and as you mentioned, this seemed to be due because of there was an increase in the, the recirculating Treg population, which seemed that which could possibly be competing for spots in the Treg niche. Um, and so why this could be happening, um, as we kind of will go on in the paper, we think that there are differences to the, the type of antigen presenting cells that are available in the thymus. Um, such as the 
the MTEX, the medullary thymic epithelial cells, um, as well as the hematopoietic antigen-presenting cells. And, and work of others has also shown that perhaps the expression level of tissue-restricted antigens is going down um, overall in the thymus with age, and this could be leading to changes to Treg induction. Uh, and Jessica, how does exactly, I have another question here, how does exactly the uh, recirculating T-Rex would impede the generation of new T-Rex just by uh, competing for the antigen or, you know, maybe uh, by IL-2 sequestering or how would that be a, um, a problem for generating new T-Rex when there's a presence of T-Rex in the, in the, in, in the tissue? Yes, we're, you know, our hypothesis is probably through out-competing for IL-2, but it seems that, that the aged thymus is very unique in that it's almost more leaky. Um, even when people have studied things like recent thymic immigrants, um, they found that T-cells seem to recirculate through the aged thymus more and also compete for um, you know, they compete for spots in the repertoire. So while the while the thymus ostensibly is supposed to be continually outputting new T cells, even the output seems to be impacted because there are recirculating T cells that were much older that seem to come to the thymus and compete for these niches in which newly generated T cells um, you know, are unable to successfully compete for. And thus we're having reduced output of not only T regs, but also just T cells in general from the older thymus. Okay. Thank, thank you, Jessica. That's a really uh, great question. And, and I really, uh, a lot of, also there are a lot of uh, unsolved questions uh, regarding this, this process. Yes, well, definitely. In conclusions, as mice age, negative selection of polychlorine T-cells populations stays about the same, but the number of newly generated T-Rex and T-Rex precursors decrease, suggesting a role, a role of T-Rex formation in age-associated loss of central tolerance. Jatin, can you go for the last figure and the discussion of the paper. Yeah, definitely. At this point, the authors have established defects on the side of cells that sense and respond to self-antigens, which is the thymocytes. But what about the cells that present those antigens? We're talking about the medullary thymic epithelial cells or the MTEX and antigen-presenting cells. To investigate this question, the authors again used flow cytometry to examine the frequency of <clears throat> thymic epithelial cells and hematopoietic antigen-presenting cells as mice age. All MTEX subsets began to decline by six months of age, and this may have been due to a decrease in overall cell count of the thymus. Only the air-expressing MTEX subset decreased in frequency with age, suggesting that during thymic evolu involution, the cells that protect us from autoimmunity decrease in comparison to other similar subsets of thymic epithelial cells. Additionally, within the hematopoietic APC compartment, there was a decrease in CDCs, PDCs, which are plasmacytoid dendritic cells, and macrophages that seemed to match with the decrease in total thymic cellularity with age. Only B cells increased in frequency as mice age, which probably it should be a topic of discussion as well. Uh, just a quick sideline here, Jessica, there is also age-associated B cells that only arise as mice age. Uh, do you think it has something to do with that or is, is how are the B cells not following this pattern of decrease in frequency compared to every other cell type? 
There are a few groups now that yeah are studying this phenomenon of uh, age-associated B cells and also the thymic B cell, which I think is underappreciated in the the study of the thymus. Um, and so it you know appears I think this is work of Anne Griffith and others that these B cells are definitely changing with age, and that B cells they have some separate um, contribution to negative selection, which perhaps is being altered um, in the aging process as these B cells become this age-associated phenotype. Um, the frequency that we see is, ref- you know, it mostly reflects the fact that their numbers don't go down. So we have like a decrease in total cellularity, decrease in the numbers of other cell types, but those B cells stay very constant. And so what we, you know, what others will likely need to investigate is whether these B cells, um, not only are they being maintained with age, but perhaps are they changing and how is that contributing to changes in the T cell uh, negative selection? All right. Thanks a lot for that. Thanks for the the sidestep. Uh, we're coming back to the paper, which is, again, there are a lot of cell types decreasing and there is these specifically air expressing MTEX dec- uh, decreasing. There are the populations of dendritic cells that are decreasing. Why this might be and does this contribute to autoimmunity? That is another question that, well, I, I guess it could be an open-ended question, but Jessica, do you have any comments on this? right now based on what we know so far. Yeah, so why could the 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 type of antigen presenting cells be changing with age and how does this contribute to autoimmunity? Yes. It's such a wonderful question. Uh, well, you know, what we're finding and what others are, have been finding is that, you know, the progression of the medullary thymic epithelial cell from its precursor stage um, seems to be changing with age. Like there are several groups that have kind of very carefully shown that techs go through a differentiation process and that they rely on signals from their environment, just the same way that the T cells are relying from signals from the techs in order to establish their proper maturation. And so, you know, we hypothesize that there may be some differences or problems with the signaling that the techs are receiving, and that's, you know, causing a loss in their ability to differentiate into air-positive MTEX. And since we know that the air-positive MTEX is so important for the expression of tissue-restricted antigens, this is going to cause a reduction in the ability of them to screen against tissue-restricted antigens. And this could perhaps be contributing to some of the late, you know, mid, mid-age autoimmunity that's being um, observed in, in both humans and in mice. Okay, so you think it's something with the microenvironment and lack of these factors that help them differentiate. Just off the top of your head, do you do you remember any such factor that has been either shown or it's thought of as being a part of this problem? Uh, well, let's see. I'm I'm trying to remember where the uh, where the signals are coming from. I know that you know the signaling through NF kappa B is very important, and that something like lymphotoxin um, being expressed by hematopoietic cells is very important for some subsets of epithelial cells to mature. So, you know, some of these factors, probably lymphotoxin uh, being my my first first guess, uh, could be changing with age. And this can be likely, you know, stunting the differentiation of the, the MTEX to their kind of more uh, terminally differentiated states, such as the air positive stage. Okay, thanks a lot for that. So we're coming back to our result. 
let's focus on the uh, CDCs or the conventional dendritic cell population. There are different subtypes that play known roles in tolerance in induction. Again, using flow cytometry, the authors looked at this population of CDCs that express this chemokine receptor called XCR1. So we are looking at XCR1 positive CDCs. These cells have unique antigen-presenting capabilities in the thymus. The authors have divided this population further into XCR1 high and XCR1 low CDCs. For reference, XCR1 high population is better at present presenting self-antigens to T-Rex compared to the low population. To keep our sanity intact, we will just call them CDC1 high and CDC1 low cells, respectively. The authors looked at the CDC1 high and the low cells in 1, 3, 6, and 12-month-old mice thymuses. Again, the CDC1 high cells can better acquire present and present self-antigens to help induce T-Rex. And what the authors found was their populations decreased with age, while its counterpart, CDC1 low population frequency, increased. Similarly, we're going to talk about CDC2 cells, which is another type of conventional dendritic cells, mostly attributed to presenting antigens to CD4 or in the context of MHC2. And we have again divided CDC2 cells into high and low based on the same classification. The CDC2 high cells can also present self-antigens to T-Rex better than CDC2 low cells. Although CDC2 low and CDC2 high numbers decreased, the CDC2 low population increased in frequency with age. Together, what these data show us is that as the thymus ages, its antigen-presenting cell populations, that is the XCR1-positive CDC1s and CDC2, shift away from the kind of cells that present antigens better to the kind that cannot do it as well. Perhaps this shift could be contributing to losses in central tolerance. Jessica, I know this is the last figure of this paper, and you have already shown so much. Do you have any idea about what could be driving the loss of APCs as we discussed before about the MTEX and you, you said that it could be something to do with the growth factors or the microenvironment. Do you think it's a similar thing happening here in the case of APCs? So I've, I've been really surprised to, to find out that we have very limited knowledge in what's happening to dendritic cells with age. Um, and this is surprising considering how important they are to T-cell self-tolerance induction. If you constitutively ablate dendritic cells, you can effectively break um, self-tolerance in many different models. Um, so if we can recall, dendritic cells have a relatively short lifespan. and They replenished from bone marrow-derived precursors. Um, and they have to go through a maturation process themselves. Uh, for thymic conventional dendritic cells, they have to undergo homeostatic maturation and become you know, dendritic cells that can participate in tolerance induction. And so what we were seeing in this paper is that we were moving away from the type of dendritic cells that are very good at antigen presenting presentation, the class two high CDC1s and CDC2s, which are so important for induction of Tregs, for negative selection. And we're moving towards these class two low dendritic cells, which are less effective at presenting antigens. And so, you know, what could be driving the loss of the APCs? There could be a lack of the correct maturation factors for the for 
the DCs themselves to be able to become, um, you know, class two high dendritic cells. Um, also, the XCR1 positive uh, conventional dendritic cell does respond to chemokine ligands that are expressed in the thymus, such as XCL1, which the MTEX themselves express. And so, you know, this is kind of like an interconnected web that's being shifted with age where we pulled on, you know, a couple different factors, whether the techs are changing, this can cause the APCs to change, which is also causing the T cells to change. And, you know, we're almost creating this fee forward loop where now we're, we're losing self tolerance because um, all these factors are, are, you know, in impairing the ability of um, the APCs to induce self tolerance. Okay, and I just realized I may have made a mistake in the last figure. So when we were talking about CDC low, we were talking about the MHC class 2 low. Oh, yes, correct. Okay, yes. okay. So I think somewhere in the paper uh, I got lost, and I may have mentioned that we're talking about CXCR, XCR1 high and XCR1 lows. So I'm going to make a correction right away for everybody who has been listening we have the XCR1 positive CDCs, and then we are looking for MHC class two high and class two low CDC1s, and the class two high and class two low CDC2s later. And the class two high, as you would think, are better at presenting antigens than class two lows. So with that correction, let's get back to the paper. It happens a lot, I think, when whenever we are reading papers from other groups, and we often miss things that are so obvious, and it completely changes our interpretation of the paper. Well, it's a definitely a very dense paper, and and also you know it it exists in the world of the thymus, so you know it can be very niche. <laughs> yeah, and again, I'm sorry for the mistake I made, but hopefully we have corrected it before it's done too much damage. So, with the last figure, we come to the end of this. And altogether, this paper demonstrates that shortly after one month of mouse age, thymic cellularity and T-cell export progressively de decline. The thymic epithelial cells decrease in number, they proliferate less, their population makeup drifts towards ones that is less fit to promote tolerance. Specifically, the MTEC population goes down more than the rest. We have fewer AR-positive MTECs. Then expression of tissue-restricted antigens decreases because of the reduction in air-positive MTEX. Basically, everything thymus is all about goes downhill from month one month onwards. And so that by the middle age, the thymus is not nearly as it, it could as good as it could be for inducing central tolerance as it once was. Jessica, I have last two questions from my end. First, this was a wonderful study, and I am still in awe of the thymus model, the slices, these thick slices that you're studying with 2MT and how much you can learn about the thymus from this model. My two questions are, first, how do you think, or if at all, do you think this could this, this uh, paper could help us in producing better therapeutics for uh, autoimmune diseases? How does what kind of uh, knowledge we have gained that would help us if you think at all? And not every paper has to be like that. I already can see the kind of basic science advancement that we have got from this paper. The second question is, what are the future goals or future directions your uh, lab is planning to take from this point onward? 
Yes. Uh, so, you know, what is the potential application? I think this paper was so important because we were actually able to show with natural aging that there is a difference to tolerance induction in the thymus. You know, it's very hard to uncouple what is being caused by the thymus environment and what is just intrinsic changes to T cells. Like it's, you know, fairly well appreciated that with aging that, you know, there are different cell intrinsic changes, you know, DNA repair, there's changes to hematopoiesis, and how to really uncouple that from what the cells are experiencing in the thymus has been kind of difficult. And that was the kind of the nice part of having this thymic slice model is that we can input T cells, young T cells, and see how they are responding to an aged environment. Um, so how this could you know, potentially have some useful information therapeutically. Um, it's still been very hard to determine if autoimmunity does result to changes in central tolerance. Um, you know, even though central tolerance is critical to prevent uh, a lot of types of autoimmunity, you know, peripheral mechanisms tolerance mechanisms are also very robust. And, and so it's been really hard to tell, like, you know, just because the thymus isn't producing or as efficient, is this causing uh, autoimmunity? And so I think we're still at that stage where we need to understand if some of these pathologies do come from problems in T-cell tolerance, because if so, then we could try to uh, rejuvenate the thymus and potentially improve tolerance induction. At the same time, you know, you as we show shortly after the one month of age, it seems that the thymus is going downhill. And that, you know, that's probably an evolutionary feature that, um, you know, in the past we haven't needed to have such robust T cell tolerance induction as we got older. There's less T cells. And perhaps by letting some of these autoreactive cells loose, perhaps we can prevent future onset of cancer. Like, so there, there might be some sort of benefit to having a less stringently, um, you know, screened um, repertoire because we don't really understand how changing uh, the repertoire with age is really causing or um, some of these uh, pathologies that we're seeing. Um, I guess for... To move on to your second question, you know, I could philosophize forever why we have changes to the immune system with age. Um, you know, I've started my own research group. This paper was finished up uh, in what, from my postdoc um, working in the lab of Lauren Ehrlich at the University of Texas at Austin. Um, but I was really inspired by all the questions that we still have in immune aging and, and preparing this paper this project, I really was stunned to find out how little we know about how the immune system changes with age. Um, you know, coincidentally, when I started my group, it was in March 2020. And that was when, you know, the U.S. really started to shut down with the pandemic. And it suddenly became much more clear to the general public how important immune aging is and how differently individuals um, are responding to a pathogen. And so for my group, I've been really trying to understand more how changes to the tissue environments that are brought about by age are impacting some of the major points of, of uh, not only T-cell development, but T-cell homeostasis and T-cell function. Uh, currently, my group is 
working on looking at the germinal center and how T-cell dependent germinal center responses are changing in the secondary lymphoid organs and how this is changing in the aged context. And because we're really interested in helping the outcomes of um, older individuals, um, you know, vaccine responses and infectious disease outcomes. So, um, but you know, this all started just because I was working in the thymus and studying thymic involution. If you ask many physicians, they would say, well, the thymus is small and it doesn't, you know, it becomes almost nothing in an adult. So it's not important anymore. You know, you can cut out a thymus and a person can survive. Uh, but really, the, the thymus and the T cells that come out of it are setting the stage for how we're responding to infectious disease through our life. And so I think it's still very important to understand this process. I wish you luck for your own group. And I think this is a great place to start as well, looking at the aspect of age, at the immune response. You're right that this pandemic for sure highlighted how important age is when it comes to fighting off infections. We had this clear uh, clear demarcation of how uh, older people versus how young children responded to COVID-19. So I can I can see a lot of potential into this area. And coming back to the first thing that you mentioned, I I think there is a similar hypothesis with even B cells that there are autoreactive B cells that are often let loose. And it is thought that they are there in case we have, that for first B cells do have this job of creating antibodies against our own cells, which oh, these antibodies often bind to cell debris that needs to be cleaned up by phagocytes. But there's also this idea that some pathogens can mimic the host. And in that case, having an autoreactive repertoire does help. And you mentioned about the cancer as well. So it's such a thin rope to walk. You gotta make sure nobody's taking advantage of you by mimicking your, your own self. And at the same time, you have to make sure immune cells are not attacking you out of spite. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, I, you know, all my training had been in the, the T cell compartment. Uh, but, you know, now that I've been looking at aging, um, I've grown much more appreciation for B cell biology and um, how they're a complex system that's also changing with with age. And so uh, that's very cool to hear about, you know, what could be happening with the B cells and aging. Yeah. And just we, we have a lot of these million dollar ideas that we throw out in this podcast just in case something sticks. So I'll just throw out another one. We need a drug that probably, or maybe we need to understand how, what's the uh, molecular programming that starts thymic involution and would slowing that down be a therapeutic target for autoimmunity? If at all this becomes a drug, we want royalty on this podcast. Eugenia, you heard me now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good idea. It's very complicated. I mean, the, the project, the, this is a NIH project grant that had funded this study and it's, you know, the, the goal of this project was to really understand uh, thymic rejuvenation. Um, you know, what has been observed with um, prostate cancer, um, they've done these kind of ster sex steroid ablation therapies. And these patients, these male patients would have increased size to their thymus uh, transiently. And you can see increased T cell output. And so there are groups out there that are studying this phenomenon of thymic rejuvenation to see if like by improving T cell output, you 
you can help people that are not only older, but those have had chemoablative therapies. Um, but I think there's still it's still very complex because sometimes the quality of the T cells coming out of these uh, thymuses are different, you know, possibly due to some of the things that we observed in this paper, um, possibly due to changes to the lymph nodes and the spleen. And so, you know, there's plenty of room to really understand the basic mechanisms and there's definitely translational relevance. So yes, I wish you the best as you start your venture capital because, um, <laughs> you know, this is such a hot area. People want to know how can you restore the immune system? Uh, but you know, it's complex because there's also a, be careful what you wish for, you know, autoimmunity, a, a hyperactive immune system, um, an off target immune system. So, um, to be able to really, uh, you know, if the immune system is a piano, as a as a mentor had once told me, like, how do we play this piano and how do we learn what we're doing and, and continually reshape, you know, the song that we're trying to play? So it's not just a, you know, probably not just a pill and then we're we're happy, but um, probably a remolding of mm -hmm. of the immune system is what we will need and to kind of keep refocusing it. Yep. I like that piano analogy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the first time I'm hearing it, but it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think we're at the end of the discussion. Eugenio, unless you have, you want to add something else? No, I think this had been a really great discussion and a fabulous work from Jessica. All right. Can you summarize the whole discussion for us? Sure. Uh, so the key conclusions from this study are next, are the following. Middle-aged stemic slides do not support rapid motility of medullary thymocytes, which may affect their ability to scan self-antigens. The second one would be middle-aged stemic environment does not support efficient negative selection or T-rec induction responsive to either tissue-specific antigens or ubiquitous self-antigens. This decline in central tolerance impacts low-abundance antigens more. And then lastly, the decline in thymic tolerance by middle age is accompanied by both reduction in MTEX and hematopoietic APS subsets that cooperate to, to drive central tolerance. Jessica, any other key conclusion we might missed? No, I, I think that definitely covers it. I, I really appreciate your careful analysis and, and reading of this paper. It, um, it was definitely uh, a very complex project to work on. Um, I really never thought I would, you know, see it to publication. It, it, the doing these thymic slices and aging these mice and create, you know, working with these tissues was just um, very technically demanding. And I have to really thank the other members of the lab that really continued this work and helped complete the paper after I had moved on to my uh, faculty position. So um, I thank you all very much. Thank you for this wonderful summary. Thank you, Jessica. Yeah, this would be a good point to wrap up the discussion. Thanks a lot, Jessica, for joining us today. Thanks, Eugenio, for the wonderful discussion. For our audience, if you're interested to know more about our science communication endeavors, please check out antibodies.org. You can find all of our science communication things like blogs and podcasts there. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can email us at antibodies1 at gmail.com. With that, I'm your host, Jatin Sharma, signing off until we meet again. Bye-bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.